0: Hey, everyone, there's a lot of buzz about medical-dental integration, as there should be. There is so much that goes on in the field of dentistry, and we need to be communicating with our medical providers and our medical professionals. And the more we do this, the better equipped we will be to meet the needs of every patient that we work with. Our patients need this from us. So it's important for you to really understand in depth some of the chronic illnesses that our patients suffer from so that we know not only what our role is in providing care to those patients, but what we need to be communicating about, concerned about, and discussing with those healthcare providers that also treat those patients. It's also important for you to know what do we do about those patients that are not receiving medical care, that show up in our offices and we know that they're not stable with some of their chronic diseases. How are we going to best manage those patients so that we can have good outcomes with those patients? These are really important topics And a lot's going on in the field, and I'm really hoping that the medical-dental integration just becomes a seamless entity in the future, something that's a no-brainer that we look back on and we reflect and say, why were we not doing this before? So take a listen. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the diabetic patient. And not only the diabetic patient, but the diabetic patient who also has periodontal disease some of the things that you need to be concerned about when you're treating these patients and what things you can do, not only to manage that patient when they're in the dental chair, but help provide them with some basic information so that they can leave your office and become a little bit healthier for the next time that you see them. Take a listen. Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested, or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! As you are listening to the information provided to you in this episode, what I want you to really think about is the role as a dental hygienist that you play in every patient that you come in contact with. There are so many patients that come into your office that do not receive routine medical care, you might be the only person that that patient is seeing. So when we're talking about doing our assessments, we need to be thinking about the medical side of health for our patients. And I know we we routinely do this and there's a lot of chronic diseases that we work with our patients and help them manage, specifically diabetes. There's a lot of patients out there that don't even realize that they're walking around with undiagnosed diabetes or maybe they're pre-diabetic. And you may be that person of contact for that patient. And some of the things that you notice during your assessment may help you uncover or help the patient reveal that they may be at a higher risk. It's important for us to treat each patient as if we are the only person that they're seeing. Quite often, I've seen patients where when I take their blood pressure, their blood pressure is elevated, and I help them seek out care from a medical provider to help them get that stabilized. And we have done oral cancer screenings where we have discovered things and helped guide our patient through the process to help them reach the providers that they need to reach in order to get healthy or have further information And testing done to reveal if this is something that should be treated. So just like that, diabetes is very much the same. We treat our patients and we go through the assessment process. And some of our patients come in knowing that they're pre-diabetic or diabetic and others may not know. So it's important for you as a healthcare professional to really be on the lookout when you're providing care to your patient on what to look for and then how to move forward when you discover certain things about your patient. Now, we know that there is a bidirectional consideration for our patients who are diabetic who also have periodontal disease. Because of the way the host responds to bacterial challenges, we know that there's a connection between stable diabetes, glycemic index, and periodontal infection. How healthy is your patient when you're doing your assessment? Now, keep in mind there's also environmental factors like smoking. So when we have a smoker and a diabetic patient combined into one in our chair, we know that we have heightened awareness about where we're going with our treatment plan considerations for that patient. I covered tobacco cessation in one of the recent episodes, and so I just was compelled to cover diabetes as well. Now there are a lot of patients in the United States with diabetes. I think we're at about 112 million patients. And the future doesn't look so good for diabetes. The uh, current research indicates that by 2050, one in three adults will be a diabetic patient. Now, how do we know that? We know that by looking at A1C levels and then what we know about A1C over time. We know that the average patient, their A1C goes up 0.1 per year. So because we know that that A1C tends to rise about 0.1% per year, if there's no lifestyle changes or any changes in a patient's life, we can predict how many patients will be predisposed to diabetes in the future. We need to know that a patient's glycemic status includes their A1C. Now, what is the A1C? A1C is a blood test that's used to diagnose diabetes. And what it does is it measures your average blood sugar level over the past two to three months. It determines the percentage of red blood cells that are circulating in your bloodstream that have sugar-coated hemoglobin attached to them. And we know that that hemoglobin lasts, the lifespan is about 123 to 130 days. So the A1C gives us a measurement in which to go by. And when the sugar enters the bloodstream, it attaches to that hemoglobin. And this is what gives us our A1C results. When the blood is not able to transport that sugar into the cells and it attaches to the hemoglobin cells instead, this gives us a determination of whether or not our patient is prone to becoming a diabetic. When we test our patient's A1Cs, we're able to let them know their risk level. Because we know that the A1C tends to rise over time, we can help our patients understand their risk so that they can make lifestyle changes. So a 5.4% or below A1C is considered normal range. 5.5% to 5.6% is considered borderline. And these are the target patients that we really want to help educate and increase their knowledge and understanding of what they have control over. Our 57 to 6.4% are our pre-diabetic patients. And then 6.5% A1C and above, these are considered our diabetic patients. Now, please know that type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes are different. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease where the pancreas does not create enough insulin. It typically has a family history attached to it, and it can develop at any time, but it usually occurs in children's, teens, and young adults. A type 2 diabetic is a condition where the body cannot use the insulin that it makes. This is also known as insulin resistance. There can be a family history, but there's also lifestyle considerations, like being overweight, having a sedentary lifestyle, Um, being older than 45 years of age, and there is some higher risk in some of our populations like African-Americans and Latinos have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Patient management in the dental chair, when you have a patient with type 1 or type 2 diabetes, there are some considerations that you need to be mindful of. You want to track the patient's blood glucose levels. And now this can be impacted by patient stress. So during a dental visit, they can have a spike in their glucose levels specifically related to the stress that some patients feel when they're in the dental chair. So it's important for you to ask the patient the last time that they had their blood tested in that morning or that day and what was it. It's also important for you to know that epinephrine in the local anesthesia can also increase the patient's blood glucose levels. Now, an A1C level below 7% indicates well-controlled diabetics. So when somebody's A1C level is over 8, you need to be really mindful of the care that you're providing that patient. Always ask your diabetic patient the time of their last meal as well as what they ate. This will help you understand that patient's eating habits and how stable they are in that moment while they're receiving care from you. It's important for you to know what they ate so that you can make a determination if this patient is at risk of having their blood glucose level fluctuate um, an extreme amount while they're in your chair. Confirm with your patient that they've taken all the necessary medications for that day. Keep a fast-acting carbohydrate handy if the blood glucose levels fall. In order for you to maintain a safe environment for your patient, communicate with other healthcare providers as needed to confirm your findings. An interdisciplinary approach to treatment for your patient helps provide successful outcomes. It's important for the medical providers to know that your patient has diagnosed periodontal infection that you're treating. It's also important for the medical providers to provide you with current A1C levels and concerns that they have about the stability of their patient. This is a team approach to care. Now inflammation can come from all different areas of the body. Inflammation as it relates to insulin resistance is important for you to understand. Now the pre-diabetic patient can still make lifestyle changes before the pancreas damage is too late for recovery. Keep this in mind, the body can no longer identify circulating insulin. When the patient consumes sugar, the insulin grabs onto the glucose and pulls it into the cells or stores it as fuel for later. If the pancreas is being bombarded with continued pumping out of ineffective insulin, it breaks down and eventually stops working. It means that the glucose is unable to move into the cells, so it ends up building up in the blood. As I said earlier, this creates an increased percentage when you look at the A1C. It's also important for you to know that an increased storage of fat on those organs can cause health issues, and it can toxify the liver. This is known as fatty liver disease. Now it's the standard of care for the A1C test because we know that it's accurate in measuring the average blood glucose levels over a period of time. It's really the best monitor and it also helps us help our patients understand the level of stability that they have. Always ask your patient their A1C level and help your patient begin to understand what those numbers actually mean. Educate your patient on the A1C levels. With no changes, A1C levels rise, as I said, 0.1% per year. So it's a great screening tool for our patient care and will become the standard of care chairside in the dental operatory in the coming years. It's really important for your diabetic patient to know what the numbers mean and how those numbers relate to periodontal disease. It's also important for your patient to understand how their periodontal disease impacts their blood glucose levels. This is why it's important for you to have a really good understanding of diabetes and that bi-directional consideration. Keep in mind what we're dealing with. Our patients' average is 22 to 40 teaspoons of sugar per day. They require nutritional counseling. They want your help to help them build awareness on empty calories, fiber consumption, and the different types of sugars that are in the foods that they eat. It's important for you to use all of your knowledge that you've gained in school, especially around the area of diabetes and nutritional counseling and periodontal disease, and put it all together to meet the specific needs of each individual patient that you treat. Remember, 38 grams of fiber is a good target goal per day, and we know the benefits of fiber in slowing down the digestion and the taxation on the pancreas. So it's really important for you to share that valuable information with your patients that require that support. Now the role insulin plays in the body is to lower blood glucose levels when needed. It performs this action by enhancing the membrane transport of the glucose into the fat and muscle cells by inhibiting the breakdown of glycogen to glucose and the conversion of amino acids or fat into glucose. Now, also keep in mind, right, so you have to know the counterproductive piece. The role of glucagon is to stimulate the liver to break down the glycogen into glucose, synthesize the glucose, and then release the glucose to the blood, causing the glucose level to rise. So the glucagon rises the blood glucose levels, and the insulin lowers the blood glucose levels, and they work together to keep a balance. They try to maintain normal glucose levels in the body and these two hormones are made in the pancreas and they work together really well simultaneously when the pancreas is functioning normal now you learned in medical emergencies or will learn when you take medical emergencies about hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia and this can occur if the balance is not properly regulated by the pancreas i will just touch on each one of these Hyperglycemia is defined as the blood glucose levels being too high, or hyper, and it can occur in a diabetic patient if they don't have enough insulin. People without diabetes can still develop hyperglycemia in certain situations. Blood glucose levels go up naturally as we eat, so there is a variation on what defines hyperglycemia in a patient. Hypoglycemia, the blood sugar levels are too low, hypo, meaning under. In a person with diabetes, it can happen if they have taken too much insulin or have not eaten for a long period of time. Now if you don't have diabetes, there are no clinical guidelines on temporary changes to blood glucose levels. But patients with diabetes, the glucose level would be lower than 70. This would be considered hypoglycemia. Now a lot of the signs and symptoms occur due to the release of epinephrine. The sympathetic nervous system responds to that lower blood glucose level by releasing epinephrine into the body. Now, hypoglycemia is very common in patients with type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes without taking insulin. Taking too much insulin and then the eating habits all impact the risk of developing either one of these conditions. Now, it's important for you to know the impact that diabetes has on the periodontium. When a diabetic patient is undiagnosed or uncontrolled, they are more likely to have periodontal disease than people without diabetes. If they have well-controlled diabetes, they're really no more prevalent than a patient without diabetes to have periodontal disease. So the patients with the uncontrolled diabetes or poorly controlled blood glucose levels have a really much higher risk at developing bone loss, more excessive attachment loss, or acute periodontal abscesses. There is increased vascularity associated with periodontal disease and an increased bacteremia, as well as release of pro-inflammatory mediators, and this increases insulin resistance as well. The prevalence of severe attachment loss is increased with the decrease in patient's glycemic control. And when periodontal infections are controlled or eliminated, Insulin requirements are often reduced, so you go a long way at helping your diabetic patient control their blood glucose levels by helping them manage their periodontal disease. This provides you with an interdisciplinary approach to care. It's important for you to respond and correspond with healthcare providers so that you can meet the needs of your patient. I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.